Everybody, welcome to Frequent Flyer. Here it is, Friday, December 2, 2022. Here! And, well, we're going to talk about a guy tonight. Uh, a guy you may all have heard of. Uh, the co president and general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. <sighs> a lot to talk about with this, with this guy. But uh, we'll get into that and more, and the whole, you know, decaying state of the franchise and the fan base giving up and the mutinies and the ongoing considerable problems that we're undergoing. But hey, that's what we're here to talk about tonight, right? To help me do so, <laughs> uh, Mike Aceto is back as always. Mike, how you doing? Good evening, gentlemen. Great to be with you as always. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, what we're going to talk about tonight. There hasn't been anything going on. There's been no slow news week. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm I'm forgetting who the general manager is these days. So yeah, I'm not sure where we're headed tonight. <laughs> and as always, Manny Benavides is back joining me as well. Manny, what's going on? Hello, fellas. It's good to be with you. It's good to have some uh, nice, like-minded individuals like myself to talk Flyers hockey and not, you know, get into knife fights and blunt instrument attacks on Twitter like we're seeing. God, Twitter Flyers, Twitter's a wasteland right now. Come on, people, get a grip. The Flyers suck. That's okay. You don't have to, like, attack each other and hate each other's comments all the time. You're doing this after a 10-game losing streak? Oh, my God. And these same people wanted a three-, four-year rebuild? Come on. Be honest with yourselves, people. Love each other. Love Trump's hate. Come on, people. You know, I've been doing this Flyers Twitter thing for almost 10 years now, and they've been arguing for, you know, all 10 of those years. Um, so this is really nothing new here uh, from the Flyers. Wait, let's, all, let's open up with that then. With the, you know, expectations versus reality and what people can and cannot handle with a lot of this stuff. And, you know, Anthony and I brought this up uh, last week on Flyers AD when the Elaine VO situation happened. And people were clamoring for a rebuild and a tank, but they wanted AV fired because he was losing games, because of the 10-game losing streak. The first one in the last calendar year. I think there's a three now. But, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of that again this year. You go into the season, and we want to tank for Bedard, and we want to rebuild, and we want to do this and that, and then they lose games, and everyone's fucking pissed off and screaming and yelling that they're losing games. What do you fucking people think a rebuild entails? Spoiler alert, it's a lot of losing for a long time. Now, granted, the Flyers have been losing for a long time with no fucking pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't... How can you clamor for Bedard and already, you know, there's a fair portion of this fan base that already has him penciled into the, you know, 23-24 opening night lineup there. But uh, they don't want to lose. They, they want to win. They want to fire everybody. Now, listen, we'll, we'll touch upon as Chuck Fletcher asshole here soon enough and, you know, the damage that he's done. But, you know, the, the, the expectations versus reality boiled down simply here. The Flyers have more or less been what we expected going into the season, 
right? They were going to be a well-coached team that just was complete barren wasteland when it came to talent. And that's what we're getting. And some of the key injuries, the Couturier and the Atkinson and, you know, whoever the hell else has been on the shelf, JVR and Lawton, you know, the, the, the some of the top players and point getters of this current disaster of a roster have been missing. So, yeah, you're going to get a 10-game losing streak when you're icing an ECHL lineup, essentially. So, as a whole, I don't know what, I don't even know what we're complaining about anymore, Manny. I don't either. <laughs> the sad thing that people don't understand, though, is even with a healthy roster, this is still not a good team. Yeah. This is still not a playoff team. This is still not a bubble playoff team. They're only five they're points out, ways Manny. Away. Yeah. Only and five if points. if you go the other way, they're five <laughs> points away from being the Blue Jackets. <laughs> Bottom of the East. I Hang on. Let me Let me get my papers out here. Let me get, I take copious notes. Uh, I believe somebody on this show said that the Flyers were going to be the, quote, pillow of the Metropolitan Division. They were going to get fucked the entire time. <laughs> and you know what? So far, it's them and the Blue Jackets, and that looks like it's going to come to fruition. I don't understand what everybody's upset about. We knew that this was going to happen. The team did not tangibly improve. Everyone was furious in the offseason. And truth be told, Chuck Fletcher does deserve to get fired. But you know what? What difference does it make at this point now? And I'm going to ask that question later on with you guys when we talk about Chuck. But fans need to get a grip here. This was not going to be a team that competed for a playoff spot. It's pretty obvious that Chuck Fletcher is delusional if he thinks that this team's getting back into this race, because history has shown that if you're out of it by American Thanksgiving, especially by five points, like the flyers are, they ain't getting back. It's like 74% of like that. The teams that are in the playoffs are making the, 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 you know, the postseason by American Thanksgiving. So if you're, if you're on the outside looking in virtually, you know, it's almost a guarantee and five points, you know, even though they're only what the 25 ish game mark, that's still a, you know, a pretty hefty margin to, you know, overtake when all these other teams are still winning that are above them. And, and the Flyers are, you know, the Flyers, especially when you look at their upcoming schedule here. I'm sure we'll dive into that as well. But Mike, what's your uh, read on the season uh, thus far? Yeah, I think that um, I think that the end result here is good. The team needs to be losing. Um, you know, that that in and of itself is is a good thing right now. And it's what we expected. But I think the reason that people, well, at least. The reason that I am concerned about this is that the franchise is not really trying to lose or they're not headed in the rebuild type of direction from a front office standpoint. The roster is kind of postured that way. We have some terrible long term contracts. The coach's mentality is certainly in that in that mold right now. The problem is the disconnect with the front office and ownership that they think still apparently that they can compete for a playoff spot and they're in it to win it and aggressive retool and all that stuff. And even if they don't really believe that deep down, they have done a number of things in the past six months to a year to lock themselves into that type of mold with the long-term contracts and whatnot. Uh, and, not having any flexibility that a rebuilding team should have in order to rebuild in the proper way. And I think that that disconnect is one of the things that is bothering me in terms of how this is functioning. Again, end result is good. Losing is good. We need that to happen. We expected it. And I'm on board with that. But the front office 
is becoming a problem when it comes to actually fully executing that. What's funny is almost a year ago, we had that infamous Fletcher, Dave Scott press conference when Dave Scott was ranting about blank checks and free agents and whatever the Christ else he was rambling about. But Fletcher was the one that was talking about building through the draft and getting young talent and doing this and doing that. And when he met with the media the other day during his injury press conference, he said, well, they're only five points out of a playoff spot. This team's still competitive. They're going to do that. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what happened? Why? You know, I, I just the 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 change and. You know, we're, we can get into firing Chuck Fletcher. Like, by no means am I going to sit here and defend this guy. This guy, over the last calendar year, there's probably half a dozen examples of times when you should have parted ways with him. And, you know, at this point in the season, I don't know if it's overly crucial. We were kind of talking before we went on, you know, the trade deadline, I believe, is March 3rd. So probably early February would be the time to, you know, if you want to go in a different direction um, for the trade deadline in the offseason, that would be the chance, you know, probably time to make the move right here in, you know, December 2nd. Who gives a shit, right? But I when Alavio got fired, I asked a very simple question. Alavio, fire Alavio. Now what? What comes after? And I think that's a question that I've asked quite a bit, and I wrote a couple pieces on it this week. Who replaces him, and what actually changes? I'm not much of a betting man, but if I had to guess, the most likely outcome here is that Fletcher remains as president, or co-president, and Briere gets bumped to GM. And you gotta wonder... Does that change anything? That feels like a complete lateral move where you're just putting a more likable face on the big pile of shit that is the Flyers' front office. Theoretically, what you should do is slash and burn anybody in the Flyers' front office with a title. You know, Fletcher, Briere, Clark, Holmgren, Scott, you know, Val. Get rid of them all and start from scratch and build a complete unit because three quarters of this roster needs to be overturned as well. You know, the, the insurmountable odds that they have to overcome to do this is impossible. So, yeah, you can fire Fletcher, but what happens after you fire Fletcher I think is a very crucial step, and it's the big reason why it's not quite... I don't want to say appealing because, you know, Fletcher deserves to get canned, but the lack of a plan post-Fletcher really, really just throws my hands up in the air and go, what the fuck are we doing here? Because it's just going to be the same continued bullshit, just with a different face beyond it. Totally agree. You go take it, Mike. Yeah, and I think the problem is that Fletcher is so entrenched in... Ownership in front office. I mean, he has one boss. Dave Scott is his only boss in the entire organization. So if Dave Scott is not willing to move on and change his circle here, and he's probably not because they like each other, they're friendly, there's not going to be any meaningful change here. And that's where this whole thing gets stuck. You, you know, you can move around your deck chairs on your Titanic all you want, so to speak, but it's not going to change the fact that the, that the ship is going to sink or is sinking right now. It doesn't matter if you put someone else behind the wheel. Um, the same results can happen. And that's the problem here. It, it, it doesn't matter who you bring in until Fletcher and all of those people are out and someone else comes in and takes the reins and says, this is, this is my ship. I'm captaining this. I don't care what you say, Dave Scott, this is how it's going to be. 
it's it's certainly more of the same. And um, I don't see how I don't see how they get out of it. I think that Fletcher is too tied to Dave Scott, and he's he's well liked internally, from what I understand. So that doesn't bode well. I'm just reading through the comments that I want to give credit. So Adam Kimmelman on Thursday tweeted out uh, comments from Chuck Fletcher's press conference. And he said this about worrying about uh, his job quote. I don't worry about that stuff at all. I talked to Dave Scott all the time. We had a couple hour meeting yesterday and talked about everything and the different possibilities that can happen as the season goes forward. And we're all on the same page. I understand the business. My focus is on doing what's right for the team going forward. That's all I do. Maybe it's finally winning a game after a 10-game losing streak, but just the way the numbers are starting to trend and getting a couple of guys back, I think we have a chance to be a competitive team here going forward. <laughs> that last <laughs> sentence right there, he's he's not all there. I'm sorry, but he's not. He's a complete he has, lunatic. Yeah. He's he has not been watching what we've been watching. And one win in you know an eleven game stretch or whatever it was is is not enough to switch anybody's mind. This team isn't good enough. This is the team that he assembled. Yes, they're hurt, but guess what? They were hurt again last last season as well. They're hurt again this season. Next year, who's to say they're not gonna all get hurt again? And you know what? I don't have faith and I don't have time for excuses anymore. I think he did definitely talk to Dave Scott. And from what uh, Anthony Sanfilippo reported, there was at least a two hour meeting between the two. And I'm just wondering how much of, of, a, of a hot seat is this guy on? If, if they have any pride whatsoever, they would be looking for candidates immediately right now for both president of hockey ops and for general manager. And they should be doing that on the sly, and they should already be getting a list going for both of those job titles because I don't see how this can go forward with a delusional lunatic who thinks that this team is somehow going to be competitive in the foreseeable future. Well, that's the problem is Dave Scott's a bigger delusional lunatic than Chuck Fletcher is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the fucking blind leading the blind in this situation. And, you know, earlier in the week, I looked at some different names for, for general manager replacements for both internally and externally from the organization. And, man, there is just a lack of fucking... You know, <laughs> this is a situation where you need a Steve Eiserman or a, you know, Jim Rutherford or, you know, one of the fucking best of the best to come in here and sort this shit out. And you don't have that, man. You, you, you're going to give it to Briere. Like, he's probably the guy one way or the other. And, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into him sooner or later. But, you know, guys like Ray Shiro and Mark Bergevin and Jason Botterill, like, that doesn't do anything for me. You got psychopaths like fucking Peter Trelli's out there somewhere stalking, waiting for another NHL gig. Like... I don't like, does that do it? Does, is, is any of that a legitimate upgrade over Fletcher? You know, there may be different positives and negatives for each individual guy, but it's just another fucking random dude coming in to, to make those things. And like, that's kind of where the hopelessness sets in, you know, as a fan where it's just nothing's going to change. I, I'm not convinced they fire Fletcher. In, in in even if they move on from his GM, which at this point, like if they haven't done it yet, what the fuck are they going to do it anytime soon? 
you're just going to throw Breer in there. Like, but Breer has something going for him in the sense that he is an incredibly likable guy. This is the, you know, every time he speaks, every he's got a smile on his face. He's given amazing interviews. Nicest asshole you could ever meet, right? But, like, beyond that, what experience does he have? The only time we've seen this guy from a public, you know, perspective was last time was, like, at the draft. Has he been interviewed by the media since the entry draft? I don't think so. He spotted at Phantoms games. He, you know, he spotted at different collegiate games. I believe he took in a Coder uh, Gautier, whatever Boston place he's playing in right now. It's just he feels like he's more on the you know scouting development side than he is the business side, which is what you should theoretically be training him to do if he's going to take Chuck Fletcher's job in the immediate future here. So, <laughs> I just, <laughs> that, uh, this whole situation is just it's it's not as simple as firing Fletcher. There's no mm-hmm. fucking light at the end of the tunnel here if you just move on from Fletcher. You need a a, a, a complete teardown of this organization, and we're plain and simply not going to get it. No. And here's some other quotes that uh, really show how much of a, of a lunatic and how much in the loony bin Chuck Fletcher really is here. So as part of that uh, that press conference that Manny had just mentioned, which only took place 45 minutes after John Tortorella's, where the messaging was completely <laughs> in conflict, he said, this is Chuck Fletcher, we have worked at some young pieces over the last few years. We've talked over the last couple of years about needing more high-end talent. We've certainly tried to address some of that through the draft. What the fuck <laughs> is he talking about? Those you are two completely different messages. You didn't accumulate any draft picks. You organically sucked and got the number five pick. That's not aggressively doing anything in the draft. He he goes, so we have certainly tried to be aggressive in adding some young talent. How have they been aggressive in adding young talent? If I remember correctly, they passed on Kirby Dak and Alex Debrin Cat and, you know, all these other high-end players that were available this summer that they said, no, we don't need. We're going to run it back the same. So outside of Gautier, like, what have you even done here? Your two best players in the AHL are fucking Danoye and Ali Lexel, who are late-round nobody diamond-in-the-rough picks. Like, you didn't even he, get those he, guys. Oh, fuck. He's using the term aggressive to describe just anything that a run-of-the-mill franchise does. Yeah. It's not aggressive. You're just operating it in a vanilla fashion. How the fuck is that aggressive? Aggressive in the draft? Adding young talent? What? You (laughs) traded the draft picks for Tony D'Angelo. You traded your first rounder two years ago for Ristolainen, or or last year for Ristolainen. What are you talking about, young talent? It's just, he's making, he's absolutely He didn't move up this year. It's not like he traded the fifth overall for the second overall or something like that. No. And he's not accumulating assets to get young talent either. He's, he's quadrupling down on the same middling players. Yeah. Just, it's just, everything he's saying is complete and utter nonsense. I mean, I wish that there was, you know, I think that, I think O'Connor's done a pretty good job asking Torts and Fletcher some questions. The other reporters have been a train wreck, obviously. We can get to that later, I guess. But you know, I'd like to see somebody like O'Connor just sit down with Fletcher or like Russ Joy, even maybe, and just sit down with him and just and just totally grill him on shit because his answers are total nonsense here. He's he's trading draft picks for shitheads like Tony D'Angelo. 
and then he's re-signing guys like Sanheim, who you could have flipped for draft assets because your team is rebuilding. You're not you're not hoarding assets. You know that was the one thing fucking Ron Hextall did well. Now Hextall's execution was a miserable failure when it came to you know picking in the draft. But man, he went in with like 11, 12 picks every year. Fletcher's going in with like three picks every year. Just because you have no management of any of the assets. So stupid. Fuck it. This guy's completely out of control. Completely out of control as general manager. It's only going to get worse if he stays through the trade deadline in the offseason. You know, all of next year. Because he's not going... How How much time does he have left on his contract? Do we know how much longer this guy is employed by this team? Is that a public uh, stat? Can I look that up somewhere? I don't know. I I would imagine, you know... When how long has he been here for, what, on, four years already, right? He's had four off-seasons. Um, he was in December of 2018, I believe he was hired. Because mm-hmm. it would have been right after uh, Hextar got canned. My guess is they gave him a five-year deal. I, I don't think, and I could be wrong about this, but that's probably fairly typical for a general manager is five years. I, I, I mean, they wouldn't bring him on at seven, maybe. I, it, it can't be any higher than that. So we're halfway there. <laughs> it says multi-year agreement. And this was in 2018. Yeah. December 3rd. It's his anniversary tomorrow. Happy anniversary, oh, Happy shithead. anniversary, Chuck. <laughs> Thanks for destroying my hockey team. We should get him a card. We should get him a Hallmark card. Yeah, an anniversary a, card. card, all right. Put some fucking anthrax in it. Yeah. Yeah, or a spring gun inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could just be a water gun. Nothing violent. No, right? of course. Yeah. <laughs> No harm intended. But yeah, multi-year extension. That's it. He's probably on a five-year deal, right? At least that would probably be the bare minimum. Yeah. Just, just God. <sighs> yeah, gonna... his, his aggressiveness with these draft picks. Like I was, I was gonna say, Dan, before you brought up the point. Like this is the guy that traded draft assets to get Ristolainen, and traded draft assets to get Tony D'Angelo. Yep. Like burn them and and like <laughs> I'm not saying D'Angelo's been terrible, but I'd rather have the draft. He's not been nearly as good as he was the first ten games or so. He's been a complete yes, disaster. Yeah, absolutely. That that I would totally agree. Yep. With. And then you had the opportunity to trade Ristolainen or at least gauge the market for him and recoup some of those assets, and he walked away because he doesn't want to admit that he's wrong, and he didn't Ooh, want to double down and resign the guy. He doubles down, and that's child. What fool, that's what fools do. Fools are the ones that won't apologize and just continue to make the same mistake over and over. And they stick to their guns and they keep going with it, even though they you, you got to know that it's wrong. And it just makes them look stupider. You just go down in a ball of flames. Like it's unbelievable how pathetic that is. And like this is a guy that's supposed to be cool hand Luke. This is a guy that's supposed to have you know calm demeanor and and have the right things to say and to calm people down and to not be under the gun to make a a force a move here or there to do the proper thing for the team and this guy just makes boneheaded plays and 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 signings and trades every so often it's ridiculous that he's even here like it's it's absolutely unbelievable and i just want to point out quickly and i'm going to ask you guys a question dan knightley friend of the show dan knightley 
um, hey, Dan. Had, a, had a tweet uh, where he said, you know, this guy's got to get out of here before he does more damage. And I was thinking about it, and I have a serious question for you guys. How much more damage can this guy possibly do? Oh, Manny, what a Pandora's box you're about to open with that question. And here's the thing. That is why you fire Fletcher as soon as possible, is to limit any more, you know, this, so this guy can't dig his hole any further, right? That would be the only positive to firing him right now, right this second, versus, you know, two months from now. I don't know how much more damage he can do. I mean, you know, Morgan Frost is a pending RFA, so they can give him a, you know, a five-by-five five contract, something stupid like that. JVR. Yeah, yeah, JVR. We talked about that in the you know, last couple of recordings. They're going to fucking resign that guy for three more years. You know, there is more damage he can do in that sense. Um, it'll be very interesting to see when the trade deadline rolls around and stuff like that. Like, I think that's kind of the next opportunity for him to truly screw things up. I mean, he already re-signed fucking Travis Anheim, so that yeah. fist just went up the ass a little further. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, that would be the reason, uh, more than anything, uh, for firing Fletcher is just, like, make sure he can't do any more damage on the way out, especially if they do intend on firing. And listen, I plugged a piece that I wrote in April you know, talking about Fletcher's job security going into the offseason and beyond. And if they really wanted to fire Fletcher, if he was on any kind of hot seat whatsoever, they would not have given him the 2022 draft and offseason to do his thing. They would not have given him the Sanheim extension to try and negotiate. So they clearly did not intend on getting rid of this guy anytime soon. And it's just because shit continuously gets so worse. But they, you know, well, the injuries, well, you know, Sean Couturier, Couturier, our one fucking C here, you know, going to do this. It's just, they are banking, they are, 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 are not banking, it's not the right term. They, they are falling back on these injuries as, well, you know, everything's against us. If everyone was healthy, then this team would be doing that. When in reality, Sean Couturier and a 35-year-old Cam Atkinson aren't going to do shit for this team. It's not going to make him any better. You can't possibly watch this fucking team on a night-to-night basis and come to the conclusion that Sean Couturier is the fucking saving grace that this team needs. You need this talent. And when he talks about, oh, you know, we're only five points out of a playoff spot. We, you know, we, we got the talent. as a talent team. It's like, you just passed on Johnny Andrew and Alex Debrinkett, all these fucking guys, that if you brought them in, this could probably be a playoff team, you asshole. But no, we couldn't do it because we value JVR too much. And I'm sure we'll get into this Kevin Hayes in the 2023 offseason eventually here during this recording. But fuck, like this guy is just a, completely off his rocker. I, I, I don't understand why he's not fired. I don't understand anybody from within. I don't know what happens post-Fletcher. I don't know what route they take or what they do. But the optics of this organization are so bad right now. I've never seen it this bad. And it just keeps getting worse. Every fucking time we use the term rock bottom, it just fucking gets worse. How can you not fire this guy for the sole, if nothing else, than to just appease the fans? I know this team hates the fans. I know they don't give a single shit about you or me or any of our listeners or any other paying customers. They don't give a shit. They can bring in fucking pizza and fucking Villy Lano's clothing line and all this other wacky shit they do at the Wells Fargo Center. But at the end of the day, they don't fucking care. And it's shit like this when it's so painfully obvious. You have Briere. I don't know what Breyer's going to do as GM, but fuck, is there a more likable player over the last 20 years for a flyer than Danny Breyer? Maybe Wayne Simmons, but like beyond that, Breyer, you have a guy naturally. Ron Hextall made a fucking career on being a fucking loved player once upon a time. Nobody turned on that guy for years because of it. 
and they just don't whatever i i just i don't get how much more negativity can be brewing within this franchise and fan base before they go all right like let's at least do something here before we lose all of our people flyers are currently like 21st in attendance by the way in the year which is funny because the Wells Fargo Center doesn't look that empty yet but I was um say that too yeah but you know they're, they're, the the numbers are way down this was a perennial top five attendance team for the first 45 years of their existence and you know again this is not all Fletcher's fault it did start with Hextall but you know it's gotten substantially worse with Fletcher I don't know I, I, I just I, why does this guy have can anybody give me a good reason why he does have a job how about that why is this guy still employed right now yeah, I mean, I guess following up on the question and kind of reiterating what I, what I mentioned a few minutes ago is that arguably the worst thing that can happen or one of the worst things that can happen and how Fletcher makes this worse is if he's not GM, but he stays on as president, yep. because as I said, he has no boss. And when the Travis Sanheim extension, now, this is a great example. There's no system of checks and balances. There's nobody saying, hey, wait a second, pump the brakes on that. You know, we need to explore whether or not this is the right move at this time. We don't know where the organization's going to be by the trade deadline or by the end of the year. Maybe we hold off on this. There's no one saying that in the entire organization because Chuck doesn't report to anybody but Dave Scott who isn't a hockey guy. He doesn't have a he doesn't clue know shit. Yeah. as to what's going on. So there's no one there to advise or to check what is going on. So, hey, if Chuck says it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do, you know, and that and that will continue to perpetuate if he's if he's in the president role and a guy like Danny Breer who has no clue what he's doing anyway, defers to Chuck on everything. Chuck will be steering the boat anyway. Yeah, he's just another and puppet. Yeah, yes, it'll be a puppet. So I think if Chuck is in the organization at all as president, that's a huge problem. Whether he's GM and president or just president, it's a huge issue. Uh, and I think that's another way, you know, also obviously with getting into bad contracts again and bad trades, which he seems to lose every single trade that he makes all the time. Uh, so him having his hands on that in any capacity is a problem. But him being involved in hockey decisions is a problem in and of itself, yep. no matter how you slice it. That is the that's the cancer, so to speak, in there or one of the cancers that's happening. They need a legitimate hockey president that oversees what the general manager does, separate people, separate roles. Um, and I think that would be something that could help steer this and provide some organizational direction and vision. And this is the part where I like to, you know, <clears throat> say that we, we are not there, so we don't know exactly what's going on. But I think that's the problem. The Flyers front office is such a shadowy figure. It's like the goddamn Illuminati. You know, they, they, they exist, but we don't know anything about it. Are there too many cooks in the kitchen or are there not enough cooks in the kitchen? You know, you have half of the front office made up of guys like, you know, Holmgren and Clark and Bill Barber. These guys from the 70s that are now in their fucking, you know, 80s and 90s that uh, how much you know, stock do they hold? I don't I can't imagine they're too involved on a day to day basis. But where do their you know, when is their counsel needed? What are they here? How much weight do they have? And then the other half of the front office is guys like fucking Dave Scott and Val Camille that aren't hockey people to begin with. You know, you, you, you got people that are dinosaurs and you got a bunch of outsiders and Chuck Fletcher's just here, a loose fucking cannon doing whatever it is that he's doing. It, it, there's no, you got to clear everybody out. You got to eliminate 
everybody in the Flyers front office and start from scratch, and nobody's going to do that. What, is Comcast proper going to step in and, you know, take a fucking blowtorch to this whole team and, and burn it to the ground and start again? I, I, that's the only way I think I have any kind of confidence moving forward, because as long as this fucking group... What is Dean Lombardi even doing here, by the way? Fucking, we'll get into that sooner or later. But, like, you got a whole group of fucking people that even if Fletcher is gone, even if he's gone as president, this guy's, boom, jettisoned out of the organization, no more. I still have no fucking confidence in anything that happens because the foundation in which Fletcher sits remains. You know, you may have a different guy, you may have a Bergevin come in who, you know, slightly better, slightly worse, whatever the case is, it may be a different person, but it's still the same goddamn voices in his head, you know, all the 90-year-olds from their fucking pea soup that they're eating all day long. I don't know. I have no faith moving forward that this organization changes, even if they do fire Fletcher, because so much more needs to be done. This is not a one-person problem. This is not a couple-year problem. This is not just post-pandemic shit hitting the fan. This has been brewing for a very, very long time, and I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think my confidence has ever been lower that things change, and when you're getting these mixed messages from Fletcher and Tortorella and Dave Scott and Fletcher and Scott and Tortorella and all this wacky shit that every branch, every, you know, tier of the pyramid that is the Flyers front office from ownership down to coaching is preaching a different fucking story. You can't even get on the same page. When they were talking about Atkinson's injury, Fletcher says, oh, it's something you dealt with before. And then Cam Atkinson goes, yeah, I've never had this problem before. It's like, oh, great. Like, you can't even fucking clear up your story before you go out there. I just, shit is so fucked right now and i wish there was a more pg way to say that but i can't think of a more pg way to say this shit is fucked (laughs) god it's hot in here so you know as much as people and this you you figure okay who's making these decisions and i'm looking at the flyers front office um on their website here and it's it's chuck fletcher and he's got a couple of uh, vice president and assistant GMs and Barry Hanrahan, who for all intents and purposes the is the guy right? that does the contracts. Yeah. Okay. So you say, Barry, I want to do this. Does it make sense with the numbers? <laughs> I guess that's his role. Got to resign Sanheim for the rest of the time. How do we make this happen? I mean, I'm sure Barry's a nice guy. He's been here forever, but I, you know, he hasn't shown his face once publicly. No. Uh, and then you have vice president and assistant GM Brent Flair, who only does the draft. It's all Brent does is a draft. Okay, as his hands in nothing else at the NHL level. Okay, fine. And then third in command here is Danny Briere, who is essentially the guy who gets them coffee in the morning. More or less, uh, yeah. You know, he hasn't done anything as far as I can tell, except I'll go on random scouting, scouting assignments. Yeah. And then after that, you've got four senior advisors listed at the top of the pyramid here in Holmgren, Clark, Barber, Dean Lombardi. And then after that, it's the coaching staff. So that's the front office, right? Most of them involved here. There's no one else in the front office, but those guys I just named. And as far as I can tell, Hanrahan, Flair and Briere have nothing to do with any of the daily decisions made about the team. And all the old guys are down in Florida in their seventies and eighties, you know, fucking drinking martinis. If they still drink or I don't know what the fuck they're doing, (laughs) but there's no front office here. It's, it's Chuck Fletcher and a bunch of, I don't know, other interns that are Chuck giving him Fletcher, analytics. Chuck a bunch of geriatrics and, and people that have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, so there's there's nothing here. 
There's absolutely nothing what is here. Dean, oh my, this Dean Lombardi thing just gets under my fucking skin. I, I, so I, I did a whole bunch of research on, on the options, and he was one of the guys that I, I considered to potentially replace Fletcher. And like, he did so much good shit in his career. Back when the San Jose Sharks back in the day, in the late 90s and early 2000s, he rebuilt the Kings and took them to two Stanley Cups. He gets canned in 2017, shows up in Philadelphia, and just exists in the background. How do you have such a good track record? And then just, poof, I'm going to sit back. He survived the Hextall firings, and he's still fucking here doing whatever it is he's doing these days. I don't think we've seen him publicly once during his entire tenure. How do you have a guy with that good of a track record that he just lurks in the shadows and does nothing? Is he, like, self-exiled already, retirement, and just collecting a check at this point? Why? How do you have somebody with that caliber who could theoretically Mm -hmm. be a good general manager who's just existed here for the last five years doing absolutely nothing? Why? What does he do here? What? Yeah. drives me nuts. He's totally overqualified to sit in the fucking corner and jerk off. You know, I mean, that's what he's doing. He's, He's not... He has a great track record. He's built teams. He's won things before. Where the fuck is his voice in all of this? You know, he's a more experienced and successful GM than Chuck Fletcher is times a thousand. By far. By far. It's just, it's incredible that you have somebody like that right under your fucking nose. And he seemingly doesn't play any kind of major role in the team. And hasn't. He got the job because he was friends with Hextall. And somehow is still here. Mm -hmm. Years after Hextall got canned. See, I don't know. Dean Lombardi's a guy that would would be on a list for me for like the president of hockey ops. Yeah. I don't want him to be the GM. I think he's done what he's going to do in this league as GM. He he made the Sharks incredibly competitive. Yeah. And for God's sakes, they were close to, to a couple of cups there, but they just couldn't get over the hump for whatever reason. The Kings, I heard Dennis Bernstein and he was raving about, you know what, Dean Lombardi was the guy and he made the LA Kings yeah. what they were. And in Philadelphia, I think that we got our, our wires crossed and we gave Hextall the credit where it was like, Oh, it's the drafting. He's a draft wizard. And he get all these players. And it's like, no, Dean Lombardi was the guy that ran shit in Los Angeles. And that's a guy that, that kind of comes up for me where if I'm looking for a president of hockey ops, that's a guy who I'd want maybe to, to pick the next GM. But there's another part of me that says, fuck it. I want all these guys out of here. Yeah. Yeah, that's I want the them counter. All out. He's had his bags. chance. He's had his yeah. chance to make his voice heard. He's been here for what, seven years? Something like that. I mean, he's had. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's still been a while. It's I five. Mean, he's, he's had I'm more six. than enough opportunity to make his voice be heard, his opinion be known, and try to make a difference with the organization. You know, they're going to listen to him. He's there. And we don't know what goes beyond or, or what go. Excuse me. We don't know what happens behind closed doors, but he's been there long enough and things still suck. So yeah. I want him out. I want him out. I mean, maybe five years ago, I would have said yes, maybe even a couple of years ago. But I mean, the fact that his hand is in this rotten cookie jar. Fuck no. I think if Fletcher does go and is exiled entirely, I believe I tucked away in the piece as well that Lombardi would probably be my uh, pick for president, at least on an interim basis while they hunt for a new GM and a new person for that role. But it would be probably Breer's GM and Lombardi as uh, president, um, at least on an interim role, if Fletcher were to get canned and removed entirely from the organization. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do see the point of, you know, he's had all this time here to just lurk in the shadow and collect a paycheck. Like if he wanted to do something for this organization, he probably could have done it by now, but doesn't seem like he's uh, overly invested. 
So then that brings us to Danny Briere. And on Snow the Goalie this week, Ant San Filippo basically said, Danny Briere has uh, signed off on all their freaking decisions. So is that a guy that you want even as an interim? That's the biggest. That's a big issue for yeah. me. Because if that guy said, yeah, 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 re-sign Travis Sanheim for eight years. Yeah, 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 re-sign Ristolainen for five years. Yeah, 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 go, go, go do this and go do that. And if he was a part of that and his fingerprints are all over the cookie jar, I don't want him around either. I don't want to hate Danny Briere. I really don't. That that's... It's all incestuous. They've been breeding in there. <laughs> yeah, that's the, like... <laughs> That's always been my question with Briere is where does he fall in all of this, you know, in all of this mess in the front office? You know, did he go along with that? Did he suggest that they re-sign Sanheim and Ristolainen and, and say no to Alex Debrincat and shit like that? You know, was he on board with those moves? Was he against those moves but overruled by Fletcher? You know, where does he fit in with all of this? And, you know, the rumor's always been that, you know, Val Camillo and, and the front office love this guy. And it feels like they maybe they love this guy because he's a yes man, you know, because he's going to go in there and just, you know, be in lockstep with somebody like Fletcher and, and the rest of the front office and just execute whatever moves they want executed. And, you know, I, I think that is a big, huge question mark um, when it comes to Danny Breer as GM, which is, how involved is he in the current regime? Because it sure doesn't feel like it from the outside, but I would assume he's, you know, in on the council when these moves are considered, right? You know, so I don't know. If he's on board with the Sanheim thing and, and refusing to sign outside talent thing and, and re-signing all these sh same shitheads to these long-term contracts, like if he's okaying a lot of this stuff, like there's not going to be as good, you know. Fans may not turn on him immediately because of who he is, but it's certainly not going to save the franchise when you have somebody who's going to be a, a cookie cutter of Fletcher's, essentially. And even if he did disagree, I mean, and we mentioned this on a couple last shows, he is not in a position with the team where he can just go in there and say, you're all morons. <laughs> you can't do it this way. Yeah. Your entire philosophy is wrong. This is how you should do it. That's not going to get him any advancement internally. You know, his I'm, I'm assuming his goal is to become a general manager at some point. Again, he interviewed for the Canadians job in the offseason and apparently was one of the finalists. But uh that's not how you're going to get any traction internally because no one's going to recognize it as you doing a good thing. They're going to say, hey, this guy is being an asshole. He disagrees with me. You know, we got to get him out of here. Why should we hold him in here? And, you know, I'm sure that there is some level of polite collaboration in there, but not to the extent where you're going to say your whole vision's wrong here. You know, we need Danny to go in there and say, we can't keep doing this one foot in, one foot out approach. It hasn't yeah. worked. It's not going to work. We need to pick a direction here. He hasn't said that as far as any of us can tell. And yeah, you guys are right. He is rubber stamped or agreed or acquiesced to all of these absurd moves that have just buried this team. So I'm not really too hot on him sticking around here. Other, Even if he's in an assistant role, I mean, I guess, but he's not going to be the linchpin that affects change. That's the key. There, There's a lack of a track record to begin with. He's a rookie guy with, you know, a couple of years of assistant experience under his belt and a couple of years in the ECHL like that alone, like the job that needs to be done in Philadelphia for a legit true turnaround, you know, 
the most tumultuous time in franchise history, and I want a rookie GM to take this role. I want him to, you know, clear millions of dollars of salary cap with immovable contracts. I want him to draft franchise-changing players. I want him to develop and handle this roster properly and sign big-time free agents. And that, that, that's not that's not a rookie role. That's like the best of the fucking best general managers that have ever fucking managed a team role. You know, it's just. That alone is is a question mark with Briere and where he falls in with the current structure of this team is another big one. And if he's in lockstep with Fletcher and okaying a lot of these just asinine fucking moves, nothing's going to fucking change whether Fletcher's here or not. You already have a new mini-me in Chuck Fletcher coming out and Danny Briere, and the only asset Briere brings is that he's going to be a nice, friendly guy and handle the media a lot better than Fletcher ever did. You know, it's going to momentarily save things, but if there's no turnaround, like, I'm pretty sure the fans are done with this bullshit. You know, I don't think they're going to buy into friendly Danny Briere all that long because they've spent 10 years doing the same thing and got burned by Ron Hextall a few years back uh, with the same approach. So, yeah, you know, Briere's hand is in the cookie jar here. It's just a matter of, of how bad, you know, is he... If Fletcher goes away, can he make his own decisions, or or is he too far gone in this whole situation, and he's already you know a, a mini me Fletcher, which is a you know a horrifying thought eh, when it comes to mm-hmm. trying to bail out your organization. The yes man thing is an interesting concept because who in that front office has ever disagreed with Chuck Fletcher for any of these moves? Yeah. I don't probably see Tortorella. <laughs> Yes, the only Maybe. guy that's visibly against him is John Tortorella. Yeah. And that's the guy that he didn't want to be here. That's true. Which I think tells you a lot. We've got freaking Mussolini as our fucking general manager. The guy who doesn't want any any voices that disagree with him. He's going to ban everybody else who has a different point of view. Mm-hmm. You know what? Like that he's he's Il Duce. This guy's this guy's a freaking dictator. Like in terms of <laughs> There's got to be voices from the outside that they have to be compiling a list and and saying, here's who we're going to at least talk to to see if they're interested for general manager and president of hockey ops. Who would do that list, Manny? We talked about this a few months ago, and I was just going to bring this up. How does this even begin? How do you who initiates the firing and replacement of Chuck Fletcher? Is it Dave Scott? (laughs) <laughs> like, he's the only one who else is it in oh, hierarchy that, that can do it. who else who is above fletcher that can go you're fired and here's your replacement how like that's the nobody thing else. that's why i think danny breer is such a, a scary option here is because it's the easy fallback option oh, we're not gonna go out and hire somebody we don't need to do that we got breer right here <laughs> you know so even if the call is eventually made to hey we gotta get this you know chucky asshole out of the front office here's breer like who initiates that? We talked about this a couple months ago. You know, how does this this ball even get rolling when it comes time to fire this guy if they ever choose to do so? I think the only way that it happens, and there's no way this happens, but you would have to have your senior advisors, you know, the Holmgrens and whatnot, uh, go behind Fletcher's back to Dave Scott and say, this guy's doing a bad job. We have to start a search to replace him. The problem is, is that all those senior advisors, as recently as earlier in 2022, 
just vouched for the guy that he yeah. should stay here. And he's had an insurmountable amount of bad luck with the Nolan Patrick pick and injuries and COVID. And that we need to give this guy more of a chance. He's a good hockey mind and all that jazz. So all the senior advisors just said, keep him. And they're the only mechanism to get him out. Therefore he is not going to get out. He will stay. <laughs> Our hero is going to be Val Camillo. That's the only other yeah, option. I would agree. She's the only one that can sit there and go, you know what? I'm basically on par with Dave Scott and shit's really smelling rotten and foul here. And we need to do something. And, and she's going to be the one she's already been making inroads across the league with her little, you know, diversity group and all this other stuff that she's a part of. You know what? She's got to start using those connections to good use because mm-hmm. she, she has to start putting together a list here because this just isn't going to go well. Like if on the one hand, if you look at it, what's the rush to get rid of Fletcher now, how much more damage can he do? Is he going to trade the first round pick? No, he's going to trade a 24 first rounder. I bet. Okay. That could be a problem. See, mm-hmm. they met, he met with Dave Scott for two hours. There had to have been at some point, uh, what's going on here. I don't know if job security was on that docket for what they were talking about, but something that had to have been, it needed to be brought up. I don't think Dave Scott is courageous enough or has the forthrightness to actually bring this up, but he should have told Chuck right then and there, you know what, dude, you're not making any more decisions without my approval and without my say so period. End of story. You're on thin ice. We're not going to, can you we're not going to do anything yet but from now on with the situation with the cap with the situation with we're trying to get a top five pick in this year's draft with everything surrounding this team you're not doing another damn thing until i say so and that should have been made very clear to that would also be insinuating that dave scott was a competent uh owner oh he's not knew what the hell was going on Eh. he doesn't even know what fucking he might be too deferential like he may be, I mean, Manny, what you say makes complete sense, and that's what should be happening. There's also a chance that Dave Scott is so daft, so deferential to Chuck Fletcher that he just says, what do you think we should do? Yep. And 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 Chuck says, well, you know, um, you know, I think these players can play better than they are, than a record reflects, and waiting on some injured guys to get back, and it's better to have a great culture here and establish our standard, and, you know, maybe we finish ninth, 10th, or, you know, 13th, 14th in the draft, something like that, but we have a great culture. Better to do that than to bottom out and get one of the generational play, you know, something like that, yeah. some absurd thing like that, which at this point in time makes no sense at all, because you have no top-end talent, you can't build anything. But that could be something that Chuck is saying to Dave. And since Dave is so stupid, he just buys it hook, line and sinker every single time, because also that has been affirmed by the senior advisors that Chuck knows what he's talking about. Now, that's that's a pretty bleak picture, but there's a chance that that's what's going on. We're at the uh, 50 minute mark here for the for I can't believe we burned through an hour already, but we're at. I want to ask one final question here for this first part of this episode, and then we'll uh, call it one and continue on. But. Does Chuck Fletcher get fired anytime soon? When do you think this guy finally meets his maker? Do we see it in the next few weeks? Is it before the trade deadline? Is it, you know, in the off season? Is it not till next year or beyond? When do you think, Mike, that we uh, we see the, you know, downfall of Chuck Fletcher? 
Um, I mean, that's such a really good question, Dan. I think if I, I mean, I'm pretty pessimistic with it based upon what we've discussed here tonight, based upon the structure that we've outlined, uh, that we're aware of here, I think it's going to be longer than most people. I think that at bare minimum, he is out during the off season, but I think there is a very good chance that they give him another off season and he's into next season as general manager here. And, you know, it could be they could play him out through his contract. Uh, if he has another, I don't know, two, three years left on the contract, they tease that out for another offseason or two. But in my opinion, I think it's going to be longer rather than shorter. Manny? Jesus Christ. <laughs> if this guy's here until next offseason, I'm fucking, I don't know what to do. I don't want like, it, but <laughs> yeah. He is Mussolini then. My God, you can't get rid of him. Um at the be- at the off season, in the off season, I think I said that he would last until late November, early December. I think I said somewhere around American Thanksgiving, and this is where we're starting to talk about this now. Yeah. If the Flyers didn't have that start, it would have expedited this process quite a bit. But I think that this is going to drag into 2023, and I think it'll be the end of January. Maybe the beginning of February. I would lean towards the end of January, though. Definitely not before Christmas. Definitely not before the new year. And it's sad to say, but this team just has no freaking plan for life without this guy. They have no process for how to replace this guy. They've got no idea of what it is that they need to do in order to fix this ship. And it starts and ends with that president. GM and the majority of those people, if not all of them, that front office, and they just don't have a clue. They don't know how to go about doing this. I think if he were going, if there was a a thought in their minds that he was going to be fired imminently, it probably would have happened already because shit's yep. been out of control the last few weeks. So I don't think I think at absolute earliest, I think Manny's right. I think it's late January, early February. That's enough time for replacement whoever to come in and handle themselves before the trade deadline in early March. But I can't help but think Mike is right in that this is, this is a long-term thing. I just, how do you have three 10 game losing streaks in the same calendar year? This organization's out of control. People are leaving in droves. Your fans are fucking fed up and and ready to burn this organization to the ground. And you're just like, yeah, everything's great. We're going to keep this guy in place. Like there feels like such a, a tone deaf stance that this organization has taken that, I don't think there's any pressure to fire this guy. I think his seat is probably starting to heat up. That Penguins game, I think, was the first time where it palpably felt like, you know, shit was going to change eventually. There was kind of the first domino to fall, but I don't believe for a second that that this guy's canned until he's gone. And, uh, you know, maybe at the end of the season, if you're lucky at the earliest, maybe you give, you know, Breer the offseason to do whatever it is that he wants to do, but... It could probably be this time next year. I think, uh, you know, well, if they start slow again next year and and the injuries finally, you know, if Couturier starts healthy and Atkinson's still here and all this shit, and then they go off. So maybe next year, maybe this time next year. I have no idea. So earliest is, uh, you know, February latest is uh, this time next year. Or, you know, whenever his contract plays out, you know, seven years down the line or something like that. One of the time this organization is dead and gone. And on that cheery note, everyone, we'll call this one an episode here. Um, the hell's this going up? Sunday? So Shane on Monday. We'll probably get Anthony back next week. Our schedules don't line up this week, so we'll get him back. And, uh, 
Yeah. At Tim the Flyer fan, I'm Billy Puck and Burley underscore plug. Plenty of shit up on the website, brotherlypuck.com. Check that out. And uh, Manny, where can people find you on Twitter? Manny Benavidez and, of course, brotherlypuck.com. And, uh, well, you know what Mussolini once said? I'd rather live one day as a lion than a hundred years as a lamb. Fuck, doesn't it feel like a hundred years since the Flyers were actually any good? And that that one day was the freaking bubble where they had those two wins, <laughs> one against Tampa Bay and the other one, and they made the second round. Oh, my God, it's over. I can't believe it. Yeah, this. the Flyers are dead, man, and we got to – it's over. <laughs> Mike! <laughs> <clears throat> well – you can find me on Twitter at flyer underscore AF and to follow up on some um, some great uh, quotes here. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think we know what age we are in right now. Good night. <laughs>